Welcome to Live from Size Lounge, showcasing alumni of Iowa State University and Cyclones Everywhere, making communities, Iowa, and the world a better place. Hello, Cyclones everywhere, and thanks for tuning in to our very first Live from Size Lounge special edition with Jeff Johnson. My name is Matt Van Winkle with the ISU Alumni Association. And the first Wednesday of each month from now until May will feature a 30-minute conversation with Jeff and a special guest to focus on campus life at Iowa State. So with that, let's not waste any time. I'd like to introduce Dr. Jeff Johnson, the Laura and Russ Talbot Endowed President and CEO of the ISUAA. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Matt, how are you? And so good to be with you today for today's interview. I'm doing really well, Jeff, and I'm really excited to be joining you for this interview. And thanks for kind of taking over my space for a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, it's good to be sharing this with you. And uh, thanks again for having me. Perfect. Well, before we get to your interview, we have a really fun event coming up, or rather a full week of events, Jeff. Coming up next week, uh, we should talk about a really fun event. Uh, the gala is coming up. Yeah, and let's be really, really upfront about this. Uh, this is an inaugural event. It's a spinoff of a live event that we do in Des Moines every year. Uh, again, this will start on Monday, February the 8th. It will be our first virtual Cardinal and Bowl Masquerade kickoff event. And this is an opportunity for alumni and friends of Iowa State from all over the world to have the opportunity to participate in this live virtual event that will take place again beginning on Monday, February the 8th, and will go all the way through February the 12th. Yeah, Jeff, one of the really cool highlights from the week will actually take place on Wednesday, February 10th. It's an inaugural Young Alumni at Virtual event called Class for a Cause. We're going to highlight some young alumni, share some ways they can get involved in the university, and we'll then have a mini class on putting together uh, a brunch board from, uh, from one of our great alumni's um, on the valent uh, over Valentine's Day, nice preparation leading into to Valentine's Day. So some really cool events coming up, Jeff. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And what I'm hearing already is that folks are planning these little mini get-togethers in their homes, uh, and they're going to literally dress up, you know, because the mm -hmm. gala has been an optional black tie yes. event. Uh, so it's a fun time. We're asking people to really buy into coming up with their own mask decorating those there will be an opportunity <clears throat> excuse me there uh to to decorate their mask and have those masks be part of a decorating contest mm -hmm. uh the other thing i'll mention though is is that the night of february the 12th will highlight the impact that iowa staters have had on the cardinal and gold gala by ways in which they have continued to do over the years by the support of first generation student scholarships as well as the impact on student and alumni programming. There'll be an incredible number of auction packages that people can have an opportunity to bet on and, and so forth. Uh, many of these are Iowa State themed and others are just incredible packages of travel and so forth. So it'll be a fun night. If you've not signed up already, I encourage you to go to our website, which is shown on the screen, isualum.org backslash gala and go ahead and get registered for this fun week of activities in support yes. of first-generation scholarships. 
Yeah, should be a really uh, fun week of events Wednesday and Friday, of course. Uh, Friday's event will be you and me and Dan Winters, of course. The great Dan Winters from WHO will be co-hosting with us as he's done for so many years in person. So really looking forward, forward to that, Jeff. All right, Jeff, let's get back to the reason why we're here. Why don't you go ahead and introduce today's special guest, all right? Well, I want to take a time uh, to do this and to do it correctly. I'm going to read some information that I think is very, very important. So we are excited to be kicking off this series with you today, Matt. And so thank you again for bringing Live from Size Lounge as a program to the association and then giving us this unique opportunity. Uh, we have seen such a great response to this program and it has focused on alumni from all over the world who are doing incredible things with their degrees, through their occupations and just living their lives. And so what we wanted to do differently because of feedback we received is we know that alumni also care deeply about how campus is doing and what's happening with our current students, our current faculty, and our current staff. So I'm happy that you have added this four-part series to Live from Size Lounge format. Uh, this will be an opportunity where we will feature conversations with special guests from campus. And I'm very excited to be joined by our first uh, campus guest today, who is not just a colleague of mine, but I consider Pete a friend and I also consider him family. And so again, just excited to have our first guest, Dr. Pete England. Many of you like me refer to him as Pete and I hope that's okay, Pete. Yep. Uh, no disrespect on the doctor. Um, but Pete is the Associate Vice President for Campus Life and he's the Director of residence for Iowa State University. In addition to overseeing the Department of Residence, he also oversees ISU Dining and the Memorial Union. Many of you know Pete has been here a long time and long time is defined for Pete as 32 years. You also know him to be a loyal cyclone. He graduated in 2001 with his PhD. And I'm happy as well that Pete is also a life member of the Alumni Association. So thank you for that, Pete. So Pete, it's good to see you. I wanna thank you for joining me and we're gonna get right into this, but again, thank you for being here today. Well, thank you, Jeff. And you know, as you know, we, we love working with our future alumni as we refer to them at times. And you know, staying connected with, with you and your programs really reminds us um, that we're, you know, we're creating a lifetime opportunity for our students. And uh, you know, connecting with our alumni really is a, a great way to give purpose to each and every day. So appreciate this invitation very much. Again, thank you. And let me say this as well. Pete said something there that's very important. We do refer to our students as alumni in residence, not just because they're in residence halls, yeah. but this is again, the, per the preparation for this lifelong connection. But Pete, as I think about this as well, uh, there's just no way to start today's conversation without us just going right to COVID and its impact on residence halls, campus dining, and activities in the Memorial Union. We're nearly one year uh, into this pandemic, and so I'm interested, and I know our listeners are, into hearing any reflections that you have on the impact this pandemic has had on some of the most important aspects of the student experience here at Iowa State. Yeah, thanks for that, Jeff, and you're right. You know, it's hard to speak uh, about Iowa State without acknowledging what this last year has been like. In fact, we just talked about uh, passing the one year anniversary of our first meeting where we were 
trying to determine how we might support study abroad students that needed to come back and might need to quarantine. I mean, that was the initial conversations I was part of. And, and you know, as we get to on this one year anniversary, um, you know, it's hard to think that two months after we're just talking about study abroad students, we went fully online and, uh, you know, gave students living in our residence halls the opportunity to move out if that's what they wanted to do. Uh, we ended up extending that move out deadline to June 6th. So we had move out that took place over three and a half months trying to just support the dynamics our students were going through. Because everything we do is about trying to support students and their choices, what works for them so they can be successful cyclones. So, um, you know, it was a, a process where we uh, refunded about $14 million in room and board fees during that time. Uh, as an auxiliary, that's one of those things we had to manage. Um, we're, we're totally self-funded through our, our room rentals. So there was a pivot, you know, from a financial perspective, but we were positioned to be able to do that. And then we learned that there was hundreds of students that had no place to go for a variety of reasons. So we wow. needed 500 students um, from that mid-March timeframe through the end of the semester. Actually, we extended it through June 6th because there was travel restrictions by state and local and uh, national, international restrictions. So uh, just trying to take care of them. And we got into June and we were thinking, well, what's, what is the fall going to look like? And there was a conversation out of the Board of Regents office about trying to be as normal as possible going into the fall. And so we announced we'd be opening uh, for fall. And we had about 9,400 active contracts that jumped then to 9,700, which, you know, at the time we were like, I don't know what the reaction people would be, but students want to be together. They want to hang out. Um, they understood there would be some mitigation strategies. And as we got closer to the academic year and the reality of what was taking place, you know, we went some courses and some students uh, went online and we dropped about 1100 contracts just in the three weeks prior to classes starting. So this has been part of our world is to really be um, nimble, um, to be creative, uh, to be supportive of students. Uh, some of you know, we tested everyone at opening. Uh, everyone that we tested that are, you know moved on campus, our, our, our positive rate was 2.16%. Right, right. What we know now is very, very low. Um, we did see a big jump after the first weekend. And honestly, that's, you know, that Cyclone Cares program was just getting its feet under it. And our students needed some things that, you know, they needed to learn how to do this. So uh, we're currently testing 5,000 students in our sorority and fraternity community and our residence halls. Um, 4,000 have tested already. Uh, our positive rate for that group is under 1.2%. Um, our students have been amazing through all of this, and, I, and I, I don't know that folks really understand how much they've sacrificed and how much they've listened to the way to do this right and well. And so uh, just I wanted to you know, share that with, with folks, because so sometimes you're not sure that, uh, that they get it, but they certainly do. Um, in our, in our, so from a programmatic perspective, we did a lot of things that were physical distanced and face coverings required and and uh, hand sanitization uh, stations everywhere. Dining established a grab and go program um, where uh, hot and cold foods were available to just walk through line, keep your distance, grab what you needed. Uh, this, this was uh, uh, aimed at, at on and off campus students, um, faculty and staff who needed food, wanted food and, and 
you know, wanted to maintain physical distancing or that personal space. Um, we did to-go containers in all the residential spaces so students could go through and get what their traditional favorites or meal that they wanted, but they didn't need to sit within the dining center. Um, but we reduced the capacity in dining centers to less than 50%. So folks could spread out and follow CDC guidelines and still have community. Uh, and they did. They loved it. I mean, our, our students through all of this have really wanted to be together and hang together. So we tried to support that safely as we've learned about COVID-19. Um, you know, and then online apps for folks to be able to order food and, and, and uh, from our retail locations. Some folks, might not, some folks might not know we run five residential spaces, but also nine retail spaces that are uh, convenience stores or cafes. So all of this caused a change in how we do business. Um, in the Memorial Union, uh, they did uh, offer a lot of programs with the safety considerations, so less dense. So we actually still had bingo. So for some people might remember that and even uh, Dr. Toya Younger went in November, her first experience, she's our Senior Vice President for Student Affairs, was supposed to be there for 45 minutes, was there for almost two hours, um, watched how our team would clean after person any individuals you know, arrived and then left and, and uh, hundreds, of students, hundreds of students got a chance to play bingo together, which is very, very popular. So uh, home craft kits, uh, came out of workspace for students to do things at home and stay. Yeah, they've done an incredible job. Yeah, I mean, we just did Clubfest and we did a hybrid model. And, you know, we have 900 student organizations on campus. And so 150 students came and, and participated in person. Normally that would be hundreds and hundreds of students. Um, but then also they were participating concurrently online with how to join clubs. So that was, you know, an amazing, you know, whole transition from what we, you know, saw a year ago. Um, and I should, I should speak to, you know, even serving students with um, isolation and quarantine. And, you know, the thoughts of spending 10 or 14 days by yourself for anybody is hard. Uh, but what we understood is folks weren't always going to have the opportunity to travel someplace where they were going to be able to do that. And so for our residence hall students, we provided that option. Hundreds of students took advantage of it. It's not fun. Isolation quarantine by its own, you know, languages, but they could custom order meals online for the next day. And every day they could go online and order what they might want to have as a, and we delivered them right to their rooms. Uh, we had uh, contracted with a moving company that could use PPE and understood how to follow safety protocols to move anything they wanted from their current living space into the quarantine or isolation space and then move them back at the end of that at no cost. I mean, it was one of those things that we knew that this was a hardship. Um, this is not something that is a housing or dining program we are trained to do, but we learned to do. And, um, and really tried to make sure that, you know, what was a very challenging, scary uh, experience for students, um, you know, work with our partners and student counseling for outreach. Uh, the Dean of Students offices provided care packages and games. Uh, we did a lot to outreach to folks. It wasn't perfect, it never is. Um, but really, when you think about what COVID has meant to all of us and what it's housed impact at Iowa State, we really did our best to pivot and, and serve students well. Well, Pete, 
you just use a few words there that I was going to uh, really uh, end this portion with, and that is, is that everyone has learned to pivot. We've also learned to use technology in ways that many of us had not been trained to, but found ways to make it become part of our day-to-day -day operations. But you use that other word, and that was maintaining community. And that is what I think has been the hallmark of the residence hall program here at Iowa State and Iowa State in general. And so I wanna encourage our listeners, uh, if you want to share your favorite residence hall memory, please go to the chat function. I know Pete would take not only your favorite memories, but if you have things that you want to ask about, or if you have situations that you would say, have you guys thought of this? You know, we would love to have your suggestions in this area. But Pete, I'm gonna uh, pivot again in a question here. Um, is it too soon as you look at future trends in the areas of student housing and dining, both because of the impacts of COVID? You know, I said to you before we started today, uh, there's a saying out there that says that once the mind has been stretched, it doesn't go back to its original form. Are there some things that you are seeing and you and your staff are talking about and you and your colleagues from around the country, what are the wants and needs of future generations that you all are already starting to plan for? Yeah, and, and great question. Thanks, Jeff. And, and no, we, we tend to think in about five-year increments, always kind of five years from now, what, what needs to be happening between today and, and to be, uh, in a space that's going to serve the seventh and eighth graders that are out there too. So it's, it's okay. always having to be forward thinking. And, uh, you know, I think it served us well during COVID-19 and it, it, it's, as I shared, some things happen around our demand and our occupancy, but it wasn't, but four years ago, you know, we were dealing with tremendous growth in demand to live on campus and went from, um, you know, 8,000 students living on campus to almost 12,700. So this idea of, of being responsive, expanding and contracting and listening to students has always been kind of our part of our DNA. And so um, we listen to what today's students are asking for. And uh, you're right about the stretching. Uh, you know, there's been some really, uh, one thing we learned is our students are absolutely um, so motivated around getting back together and being to, in proximity and hugging and hanging out and and we've been, uh, we need to be thoughtful about that. But the use of technology and connecting and making meetings um, with folks that, you know, instead of an email exchange, um, using the, the virtual, the Microsoft Teams and WebEx and Zoom and, and this technology that you're using is new to me that I got a chance to learn about, um, you know, are ways in which we can stay connected with our students in a way that is a lot more interactive and, and, um, we might not be in physical space together, but we can be in community through this kind of exchange to see um, the facial expressions and, and the smiles and, and the nods and the other things that are part of that. And, and also at times the, what people are wearing with them is the stress and the strain. So our CAs are using that, our community advisors, RAs in the past, hall directors and, and how they connect with folks. Um, how we hold meetings with individuals feels very personal or exchange information as they shared. Don't use email. Um, you know, let's dial folks up and, and, and have this in-person conversation. 
uh, you know, as an auxiliary, we also always have to think about the fact that we're self-supporting. We don't use any general fund money. There aren't student fees to support it. There's no live-on requirement for people. Uh, so, you know, what we're needing to be um, aware of is what do students want and need from us? And so, you know, this, 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 uh, the breadth and depth of our program right now is, is more trying to get a read and watch uh, the things that are beyond our control around COVID-19, specifically for August of 21. Uh, I really think the indications are we're gonna look and behave a lot like we did in August of 2019. Um, not having 600 folks help welcoming and moving folks in or 700 students helping us as part of our move-in crew, you know, that's part of our brand. We weren't able to do that. That, that, that costs us. Um, I mean, I think it costs our students when I say us. It's, it's, it's immediately telling you matter, I, we're here for each other, we're supporting each other. Those are the signals I'm excited to get back to. So, and Pete, and I think you know that's, that's the part that I appreciate and it's selfish, but I appreciated those experiences of walking through the residence halls, meeting the parents, surprising students from the standpoint that they don't think of administrators as being normal people. Uh, they tend to view us as the individuals who are quote in control and not down the earth and approachable. And so I wanna thank you and your staff for opening up those kinds of programs uh, to the rest of us on campus, uh, especially here at the Alumni Association, uh, it gives me a chance on the front end to meet our future alumni. Well, and, and Jeff, it, that's the beautiful part of when I, when I came to Iowa State as a 29-year-old to get you know a, a PhD and work at a you know world-class student affairs program. I mean, it was world-renowned, and the people that were here and are here, you know, are some of the best you'll ever encounter. Um, but the level of engagement our students were you know, demonstrating to me in the very short time when I came here and how that's just persisted, you know, in my 32 years that 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 our president deeply cares and listens to students. And it's not right. it never is. But our provost, our president of our alumni association, our deans, you know, um, you know, and student affairs of our world. But thank you for your 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 investment. Hey, let's take a moment here as we are coming to a close. Uh, through all the challenges, and let's be upfront, there have been challenges, but there's been incredible, incredible innovation that we've experienced this past year. Uh, we've seen so many inspiring things from our students, faculty, and staff as they've adapted to these changing times. What's something you've seen from our students that gives you hope and optimism as we look to the future? Yeah, the the their hope and optimism through all this you know this is you know you're working primarily with 18 to 23 year olds in a significant way um their absolute commitment to understanding and knowing the cyclone experience and wanting to fully um, embrace that and so uh when they've learned and we've learned together about what it takes in order for us to be in community together and be in space. And so our sorority and fraternity leaders, our inter-residence hall association groups, our student government, whenever and wherever possible, continue to meet in, uh, uh, in person, um, do that in a way that, um, 
you know, is done safely, I want to remind folks, they always are so thoughtful about that. And our, you know, our, our percentage rates of, you know, students testing positive is so low compared to the average I one. Um, mm -hmm. And so they're hanging out together and then they're wanting and still contributing to the decisions we're making around how we respond to COVID, but also how we prepare for the future. So, you know, we take our facilities plan forward and share all the things we're thinking about doing under very different financial circumstances. You know, we've already prepared for a 20% reduction in gross revenue. I think it'll probably be closer to 30% um, given how students demand is kind of shaping up. And, and so now we have to reprioritize and I just love that. That's always been part of, you know, we make better decisions because we're doing it together and doing it in community. So, um, we haven't lost that, Jeff. I mean, in, in all of this, none of that that continues. Lots of engagement. So it, it's been exciting in that way. That's probably the biggest piece is some of our students have never known anything different at Iowa State. These freshmen, the 5,000 freshmen, but they came and accepted this offer of admission and arrived um, with a commitment that we're going to do this uh, the, the Iowa State way. Well, Pete, I just want to end by saying um, our earlier conversation before we went live talked a lot about how everyone, probably even our listeners uh, in their work environments, had the pivot to remote work. And yeah. a lot of your employees are individuals that have to be on site, you know, because of dining, because of housing, because of Memorial Union and so forth and so on. So please know that we appreciate you. We appreciate you and your staff. We appreciate all the work that you and your group do for our students. Uh, thank you for viewing them as not only students, but future alumni. And I want to take a moment too to thank our listeners who have chosen to join us today. And thank you for any of the feedback that you provided to Pete. And we're going to close uh, uh, due to the fact that we try to keep this under 30 minutes. But Pete, thank you again for being with us. And as always, go Cyclones. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. And thank you so much, Pete, for joining us. This was our first time doing this. I thought we had some really great interaction, um, some really great stuff from, from you, Pete. So thanks again, Pete, for joining us. All right. Jeff, thank you. Thanks for taking over my space for a little while. It was fun. You're much better at it, but I appreciate the opportunity for conversation. And folks, wear your mask and Absolutely. be ready for the Cardinal and Goal, Cardinal and Bowl basket, yes. masquerade uh, that will run February the 8th through the 12th. And be sure to reach out to Dr. England and share your fun memories, your questions, as well as things that you think can be helpful to housing and to our students. We appreciate all that you do where you are being cyclones. Thanks so much, Jeff. Yeah, we'll see you, we'll see you Wednesday uh, for the uh, class for a cause and for the Cardinal and Bold Masquerade on Friday. We'll throw that graphic up one more time while we close out. But Jeff, thanks again. We'll see you soon, all right? You will. Take care, Matt. Thank thanks. you. This series is made possible by members of the Alumni Association. If you are interested in staying connected to the university and receiving all the benefits and services of being a member, visit isualum.org.